It's always a pleasure to have one of our own people speak to you, so you can see what a remarkable staff we have at this aquarium. And tonight, I'm pleased to welcome aquarium aviculturist Sarah Mandel, and she's going to discuss her conservation work with penguins in South Africa. Sarah's a bird expert in charge of the aquarium's June Keys penguin habitat. <clears throat> because she cares for the penguins on a daily basis, she's grown very knowledgeable about each of them. And their different personalities, and they do have different personalities, their preferences and their relationships. And her experience in raising the 13 penguin chicks that we've had at this aquarium that have hatched here made her well qualified to help with rearing abandoned penguin chicks with the South African Foundation for the Conservation of Coastal Birds. Sarah started here as a volunteer when she was an undergraduate at Cal State Long Beach. Then she became an employee in the education department and in 2006, and she joined husbandry in 2010. She got her bachelor's degree in psychology from Cal State Long Beach and has done a terrific job for us. Please join me in welcoming Sarah Mandel. All right, who wants to learn about penguins? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna tell you about the most amazing trip that I've ever had, and I was lucky enough to go on it through the Aquarium of the Pacific. So I hope you enjoy this lecture as much as I enjoyed writing it. Uh-oh, here we go. All right, so we're gonna talk a little bit about the African penguin before I show you some really cool videos and pictures. I work with Magellanic penguins, but African penguins are very closely related along with the, Af uh, along with the Humboldt Galapagos uh, and Humboldt penguin. So African penguins, just like our Magellanics, definitely mate for life. So once they find that mate, they stick with them. They are the only species that breeds on the African continent and there are colonies on 24 islands. However, there is a 2% decrease in population a year, and only 2.5% of the population remains. So sand cob really plays a very pivotal role in keeping these animals alive. African penguins actually have an extended breeding season, so they can breed year-round, and that's where the, what gets them into some trouble. So they go through a yearly molt, or a catastrophic molt, and they have to replace their feathers once a year. That's okay, but when they do that, they actually have to fast and they stay on land. So if they lay eggs right before that molt, their chicks become abandoned and they aren't able to survive because they need their parents to feed them food. So we'll talk a little bit more about sand cub in a minute, but just think about that. There used to be millions and millions of African penguins and now there's only about 20,700 breeding pairs left. So they definitely need some help. So how did sand cob start? This amazing woman, Althea Louise Berman Westhull, actually set up her whole house to be able to save these African penguins. What was happening is that there were oil spills and these birds needed to be rescued. And so what she did is she actually did this. She put about three penguins in her bathtub, cleaned them up with dish soap, 
and fed them strips of fish that were dipped in vegetable oil. She had about a 50% success rate with these guys, and the SPCA didn't really know what to do with penguins. So they, go, they went ahead and they gave her a chance, and she was given permission to study these animals in, and their colony at Dassin Island. And she had lots of photographic evidence that their population was decreasing severely. So she decided to rally together with Dr. Roy Siegfried, an ornithologist, and they decided to start sand cob. So before we get into the really cute videos and pictures, I thought I would show you guys a little bit about a, a very, very big disaster that happened called the treasure spill. The treasure spill was in June 23rd, in, in 2000, and a ship basically spilled all of this oil, lots and lots of oil, in fact, 1,300 tons of it. And my mentor, who doesn't work here anymore, but um, she's an amazing lady named Karen Anderson, she actually got to participate in this spill, and she helped save this African penguin population along with sand cob and the International Bird Rescue, IBRC. So this was a 12-week-long rescue with 400 tons of fish and 4,500 people helping. The IBRC, or International Bird Rescue, had already helped with the spill in 1994, where there were 10,000 oiled penguins and about 4,700 were rescued. So they realized that this is a pretty successful operation if they can get these, if they can rally together, they can save some of these birds. So that's what they did. And over 75% of the rehab birds were absorb, ab <laughs> observed again in their natural habitat. I'm glad they were not absorbed. But they realized that this was a successful effort and San Cobb pulled together a bunch of people along with the IBRC to be able to rescue this African penguin. So why does San Cobb save birds? Every individual does matter. And the reason behind this is if you can save one life, think about that life that you've changed and then think about the offspring that they can have and how important it is to keep that ecosystem going. So I know this is a sad picture, but we're gonna assume that this animal had a very ha happy, healthy rescue and is back there out in the ocean. But since 2006, 4,000 African penguin chicks were successfully released back to their natural habitat. And San Cobb actually just celebrated their 50th anniversary. So they're, they're doing a really good job, and this is very effective conservation intervention. By being able to get out there in their natural habitat, see how these birds are do, doing, rehab them and re-release them, they are very, very successful in being able to save this, this uh, species of animal. But that's not all they do. While I was there, they actually got a giant petrel in. This animal is actually native to uh, the seas by Antarctica, and it was blown off of its course. And I came in one day from um, a volunteer shift, and we just saw this huge bird. And it kind of put it in perspective for me. Of course, I was there to help penguins, but I was also there to help all of the other animals that were there as well. So not every single penguin that they get can be re-released back to its natural habitat. So sand cob actually has something called the home pen. One of these birds' names is Stumpy. Uh, Stumpy was actually in a garden, 
And uh, this woman's cat actually got to Stumpy and bit off part of Stumpy's flippers. So he's not able to really propel himself throughout the water like all those other penguins are, but he has a really nice home uh, at Sand Cob. And there's also the Two Oceans Aquarium. And if the Two Oceans Aquarium has an issue with one of their penguins or they need a little bit of a break, <laughs> they need to rotate some of their birds out, they can actually bring them to Sand Cob. You can see this little dude, that little dude right there uh, is having a nice visit there too. So this is Boulder's Beach. And I'm just gonna play this video because being able to see this with my own eyes was one of the most amazing things I've ever gotten a chance to see. So African penguins actually live offshore on about 24 different uh, small islands or colonies but they arrived from declining offshore colonies in the 1980s. They usually avoided this area because of terrestrial predators like leopards and mongoose, but as people started building houses close to Boulder's Beach, those terrestrial predators left and left an area for these penguins to be able to uh, visit. So this is one of the areas where they're kind of called urban penguins because they get into people's houses um, they, they nest underneath their garages and places like that. But remember, there are only 20,700 breeding pairs, so I would definitely welcome a penguin in my garden, but not everybody would. I remember being able to visit this area on one of my three days off in the two and a half time, two and a half weeks that I was there. And I just remember saying, they're everywhere. There they are. So when I went, that's actually a whole bunch of feathers. It was actually molting time for the African penguin. They're happy little animals, aren't they? And you can see right there, that's an area where people can actually view the, the penguins off of the coast. And then I went back again because I could not get enough of Boulder's Beach. And you can see there's a little baby there. And that penguin was not going through a molt, so that chick probably got a chance to stay with its parents. But it was pretty remarkable to be able to see Boulder's Beach and all of the other areas where the penguins were because you would walk off the boardwalk, look to your right and left, and there were either feathers or, or penguins just all, all over the place. Um, now remember, these guys have about 70 feathers per square inch, and the feathers are what keep them dry in the water. So they go through this yearly catastrophic molt, and usually everything's okay unless they have chicks. So the area that I actually released penguins at, which we'll get to in a little bit, was called Stony Point. And the penguins arrived from declining offshore colonies in 1982, 
And there are also three species of cormorants, rock hyrax, and dassies. But this was actually my favorite video that I took because they're having so much fun in the waves and they're truly just doing all things that, that penguins do. And this was after I got to release 12 juveniles back into their natural habitat. So I think this video meant a lot to me because being able to enjoy them and see them in their natural habitat was truly a sight that I can't even describe how amazing it was. All right, so what I did at SANCOB was an animal professional experience, but what they do is they bolster their chicks. And that's a fancy word for basically getting them healthy enough to be able to survive in the natural habitat. So those are some juvenile penguins vocalizing for food because that's what we are. We are big food machines to our juvenile penguins. So what did I do there? I did the animal professional experience. That actually draws people from all around the world that live in a, or that work in an animal professional uh, career. So by being able to work with our Magellanic penguins here at the Aquarium of the Pacific, I was able to help out these African penguins bolster or get them back to their natural habitat. But while I was there, I actually had to make sure that they were getting fed and getting all the care that they needed. This is number 450. And 450 gets a special tube. Now this is, this is formula, and in this formula there's the medicine, of course, but there's also fish, vitamins, essential oils, and some hydration. This basically helps the chick get, get back on its feet and get nice and strong. And now after the formula, I'm gonna give this bird four fish. When they get older, they get more fish and they get the opportunity to swim, but you have to get them nice and strong before you can do that first. are a little bit more eager to eat than others. There we go. That's three. And here's the last fish. Good job. We wipe off their face. So there aren't any fish parts left up. And a little dot on the head to keep the mosquitoes away. And now we have a full chick that's gonna get nice and strong and go back to his natural habitat as soon as possible. Checking in from Sam Cobb, thank you. I'm not checking in from Sand Cub anymore, but you can imagine how that is such a special thing to be able to be so close to these innocent little penguin chicks and to be able to fill them full of nutrients, get them strong, and get them back out to their natural habitat. So that wasn't the only thing I did. Uh, we, we did feed them, we fed them twice a day, but we actually gave them uh, lots of hydration. So we had to do that because these guys aren't strong. They were abandoned, they were basically starving because they weren't able to eat. They needed parental care that they weren't able to get. 
And so there are actually penguin rangers at Stony Point and at Boulders Beach. And what these penguin rangers do is they observe the animals in their natural habitat and they see if there are any abandoned chicks or any, any adults that need help. And once they do that, sand cob takes over, they get transported. There are two, two sand cobs. I just got to work in the one that was in uh, table view. But there's also one in Port Elizabeth. And they are 24 seven, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, ready to jump into action. I remember somebody brought in a kelp seagull and they, everybody just kind of dropped what they were doing, made sure that animal was happy, and then went back to, to taking care of what they needed to do. It was actually the end of the day and everybody was ready to go home. So in the morning, uh, we would have a, a meeting and we would get to see where we were gonna go. And I was lucky enough to always be with the penguin chicks in the nursery <laughs> because that's why I was there. And I learned how to feed them uh, very, very quickly. So you saw that tube, that wasn't the easiest thing to do, but the good thing is they're usually hungry so they open their mouth, you give them the tube and all of a sudden they're like, wait, I'm getting full, I don't understand. Ooh, fish. Um, we also gave, it, gave them some hydration to get them nice and strong. Uh, and they weren't ready to swim yet, but a couple of the chicks actually needed a little bit of extra care. So this up here, that's a nebulizer. That helps take care of something called aspergillosis. These guys can get that if they're stressed out or uh, they have other issues going on. So this nebulizer was something that we would all kind of not really fight over, but the earlier you got there, the earlier you could nebulize your birds and then go about your penguin business. So I remember starting to show up like a half hour early because I ended up getting a lot of those nebulized birds. So they go in this box for about 10 minutes and they get a nice mist and that keeps them nice and healthy. Uh, well, that gets them nice and healthy, I should say. And then right here, I'm really happy to be drawing up some medicine. Some of our birds just needed a little of extra TLC before they were able to be released. They wanna give them the best chance to be able to make it out there in their natural habitat. So they don't really, uh, they, they basically do anything they need to do. If that bird needs medicine, they make sure it gets medicine. Uh, they get vet checks and medical checks, which I'll go over as well. So everything's very, very well organized. And I even recognize some of the same medicine that we use here at the Aquarium of the Pacific. I should also mention before I show you cute videos <laughs> that Sand Cub was actually celebrating their 50th year. So I was one of the first people to get a chance to see their new, newly renovated center and they did an amazing, amazing job with it. They have a lot more space now and they did open the first chick rearing unit in 2001. So they're doing a really good job of getting those animals back to their natural habitat, but it was a cuteness overload. And there was always a lot of multitasking going on. So these guys right here, their pen's getting clean. And we were able to put them in these really cool boxes, keep them in the shade. That is after they got a chance to go back into their nice clean area. And well, that's just cute because I was about to feed them. This chick here, um, this chick we, we nicknamed Vulture Baby. Can't tell too well in the picture, but he had a little bit of a bald head. And one of my friends actually did an internship and Vulture Baby just got released back to um, South, South African Ocean. So we're, we're pretty happy about that. Doesn't look like a Vulture Baby anymore.
different perspective for you. So everybody was banded. We could tell them apart that way. They all had a number. So if they needed special medicine or that nebulizer, we would know what number it was. There were actually four pens full of, it was 60 chicks, and then it was 70 chicks, and then it was 80 chicks, and then it was about 100 chicks by the time that I left. Um, they've had up to 1,000 in one year. So there's feeding time. I still hear that sound. So during feeding time, it wasn't always formula and fish like I showed you in the video. First thing in the morning, we would give them Daros, which is basically like a Gatorade. It gives them their good electrolytes to get them nice and strong. Then we give them some formula and fish. Then we give them some water. This is all throughout the day. It's not all at once. And then we give them formula and fish one more time. So you can see two of my awesome coworkers at the time, they have a bird in their lap each. They're both sitting on these, these stools and they're offering the birds fish and then the formula's right here. I got really good at carrying these without dropping them after the first day. So this is a little chick that I nicknamed um, Little AOP and then I ended up adopting this chick. I, I'm pretty sure this chick got released, but I haven't followed up on it yet. But while I was there, I ended up always feeding this chick. It was number three, he was number 359, and I would always just look down, look at the number and be like, I have you again, this is so weird. So I kind of had a little bond with this chick. There he is right there, timid little guy. And I thought that it was just so amazing that I couldn't resist and I had to uh, adopt this, this chick. Not, not my chick, I swear, I have 23 here at the aquarium. But I thought it was a really cool way to remember my um, time in South Africa. I mean, look at that little face. Who wouldn't love that little guy? So uh, little AOP was actually abandoned in a nest at Stony Point. So one of the penguin rangers actually saw little AOP and uh, arrived little, little after my time uh, at the animal professional experience. So they did twice weekly medical checks just to make sure the chick was on track for release. They wanted to make sure that everything was going right. Maybe if the bird was being nebulized, it, uh, they, they would kind of have like a crackly breathing um, when they would listen to their, their, their lungs. So what they ended up doing was maybe putting that bird back on nebulizing. Or if it wasn't crackling anymore, they could move it on to the next step. It's really important to get blood draws to see what's going on inside the animal since they can't talk to us. And we also want to make sure that they're a certain weight. Because once they get to a certain weight, they're called a blue. And that means that they get to swim. So here's the newly renovated facility with this big, huge swimming pool here. And these are some of the interns cleaning out the pool. But basically, these birds go between 20 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, and a no-force no swim. So once they build that muscle strength, they're totally able to uh, swim a lot more. And we're looking for all those same behaviors that all of the penguins that are healthy do. They're floating, they're not waterlogged, all their feathers are waterproof, and they're happy and healthy. 
And it was a lot of work to work with these guys because once they're swimming, you want to keep them in there for a while. So we would close these gates here, and the birds would kind of just swim around everybody until the job was done. So this was a really exciting time. This was the final vet check. And this is the last check these penguins get before they're released back to their natural habitat. So they take measurements of every chick, and they fit them with a transponder. So the transponder is a small device that allows them to get data. That way they can keep track of these birds and see if their, their rescue efforts are successful. So I remember Charnay here getting measurements of the bill, and then she uh, trimmed the band off of the bird, and I kept it because it was just a cool moment, uh, memory, memory to have. But when they trimmed that band off, it was almost like this final, you're going back to, to your natural habitat. Um, it was, I almost cried because it was just so sweet to be able to see these, uh, these caretakers care so much about the animals that they were working with and for it to be successful. So here's the part we're waiting for, right? The release. So this was one of the most amazing memories that I truly have ever had. Um, I, as a little girl, always wanted to help animals, and I'm lucky enough to work here at the Aquarium of the Pacific. But being able to release these animals back to their natural habitat was a feeling that I can't even replace. So I'm just going to play the video for you, and hopefully you get the vibes. So we released 12 juvenile African penguins back to their natural habitat. And this man here is instructing us all to tip, slowly tip over the box. Everybody had two birds per box. I forgot there were two birds because I was so excited that one came out. They really didn't wait for us to say goodbye. They were out of there. at Stony Point, they actually have a receiver for all the transponders that can collect data when the birds walk through a certain area. And this is a funny video. You can't really see them anymore, but they're right there. And what they did, there's a bunch of penguins over here too. I thought they were going to go to those penguins, but they actually go out to sea, and you're not going to see them for a while again until they go through that yearly molt. So they spend time out in the open ocean. We don't really know where they go. Remember, Boulder's Beach and Stony Point aren't their natural habitats. That just kind of happened uh, in the 80s uh, when the terrestrial predators went away. So they go out at sea. Hopefully, they link up with some penguins, some older penguins that show them the ropes. And then they come right back to Stony Point. So this was a beyond amazing experience. I was able to not only help several African penguins, but be in the same room and, and the same area as so many passionate people. Uh, to, to be able to see people just like myself who want these animals to go back to their natural habitat and be happy as, as possible was truly something that I will never forget. And I am beyond blessed to be able to have um, gone on this trip.
This picture right here, this was in the back of the truck as we were transporting all of the penguins back to their natural habitat, and this little dude wanted to, to smile, and I don't know if you can see that, but he's sticking his head out. These guys are all of the blues that we released back to their natural habitat. That's just really cute. And this is how we would um, interact with the birds. We didn't want to talk to them. Remember, they're going to go back to their natural habitat. So that was something I had to remember. These guys are, are animals that need to go back to the, their natural habitat. So just be quiet. And then we'd all hold our excitement in until our breaks. And then we would talk about all the cute penguin things that we got to do. And that was a really special moment because that was cutting that band off of that bird so he could go back to his natural habitat. There were four different zoos and aquariums there when I was there. Uh, we, we try to go when it's breeding season when they need the most help. So remember, they've saved over 6,000 penguin chicks. That is a really big deal when there are only 40,000 of them left in their natural habitat. So SANCOB is a very successful organization and I was beyond um, happy to be a part of it. <laughs> Who has the first question? Got one right over here. I can see everybody now. A quick question. What's the percentage of survival after they go back to the natural habitat? You have the transponder on them, so you can monitor them for some period of time. They say that the success rate is about 90%. Yeah. You want Bob to take you there, right? <laughs> you all heard that. So we were there in 2010, and it's amazing how much has been done since that time. My question is about food preparation. It looked as if there was a lot to do in terms of preparing the food. So how much of your time did that take? Well, I got 